fellow investigators and welcome to our video podcast into the darkness where my friends and i play the call of cthulhu role-playing game i'm your host tom Rayleigh. tonight we're trying something new well it's new to us pulp cthulhu differs from our usual style by being a bit more action-packed and a bit more well pulp the heroes and villains are more flamboyant and their capabilities a little more extreme we're about to begin a treacherous journey fraught with unexpected dangers and mayhem. The Two-Headed Serpent was written by Paul Fricker, Scott Dorward, Matthew Sanderson, and it was edited by Mike Mason. And it's available at the Chaosium website. This is episode one. We are privileged to have one of the authors running the game for us tonight. Matthew Sanderson has written numerous scenarios and campaigns that have been featured in the Keeper's Rulebook, Pulp Cthulhu, Nameless Horrors, Fear Sharp Little Needles, Covert Actions, and Europe Ablaze, plus many others. He has also worked on the source books, The Grand Grimoire of Cthulhu Mythos Magic. Matthew, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we've been looking forward to this for months. Pleasure. Yes, I've been looking forward to back, back to running this as well. So, yeah, I'm look, looking forward to this a lot. Excellent. Well, uh, if you don't mind me asking... Uh, when did you first get involved in the Call of Cthulhu RPG? Well, this goes back about 19 years now. Um, back to the, the heavy days of my, what would be in the, in the US high school, uh, about two weeks before my, uh, what we call over here, GCSE exams, uh, where I was getting increasingly stressed at revision. And a friend of mine noticed, yeah, you need to step away from reality for a little bit and invited me along, of all things, to a, um, to a Vampire Masquerade LARP. Ah. Uh, he decided to get me involved um, as the same clan as uh, him. He was playing a Tremere, so I was uh, you know, the, the occult clan uh, straight off the bat. And the style of play that I engaged in, I very much like to be what, what they call over here is like the plot bunny, uh, the one that goes chasing down all the investigation, the one that goes looking into all the places where character, other characters know they shouldn't. Uh. And it's it, various other players saw this, and I, it, as I was new to gaming, they said, "Well, if you, that's your kind of style of play, and you really like doing that, then this is pretty much the game for you." As he said, part, one of the players said, passing me a copy of the uh, five point six rulebook, and yeah, I haven't really looked back since. It's been my my go to game of choice ever since. Well, that's kind of a lot of our experiences too. With uh, once we started Call of Cthulhu, we were we were hooked. So, so how did you become involved with uh, the creators like Sandy and Mike and Paul and Scott and the others? Well, um, mainly the MKRPG Club is to blame there. Uh, the, the Milton Keynes role-playing game club, uh, for sure. Um, I ran a lot of Call of Cthulhu there and also at conventions, uh, mainly around the south of the UK. Uh, the likes of what was back in the day, Conception, uh, Dragon Meat, uh, Concrete Cow, which is our local uh, convention. And uh, Paul and Scott were also members of the same club. So I knew them 
pretty uh, pretty well from the start. And as they were developing seventh edition, um, I was involved in one of the early playtest groups, going through the um, the iterations of the rules and the changes that were making. And Paul offered, after having seen me run a lot of Cthulhu and starting to get my own stuff um, published by um, Pelgrain, uh, Pelgrain Press, doing the easy terrorists um, scenario of mine called The Love of Money, where it's actually um, Concrete Cow, the local games convention where I got discovered by Simon Rogers running a Delta Green game. So at the time it was called uh, was called Cthulhu. And yeah, Paul invited to say, look, you'll see involved in the playtest groups. Would you like to contribute a scenario to the core rulebook, an introductory scenario to the what would become the Keeper's rulebook? Wow. So when you're going to run a game, how much preparation do you do and to what extent? It depends if it's one of mine or if it's uh, one that's been pre-written. So in a, like a, in a published book or stuff that I'm playtesting for someone else, because that, that comes up occasionally as well. Um, if it's one I've run recently as well, then it's still fresh in mind, then there's not too much I need to do. Um, it's why I tend to run um, scenarios several times at conventions in a row, so that they're, they're still kind of locked in my short-term memory that I can go, just go to it and uh, not have to have too much effort getting back in the saddle. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if it's one I haven't run for a while, though, um, I can generally remember the overall gist of it, but I then generally try to remember what happened last time, um, or I'll read through it again just to get some of the beats. If it's someone else's, um, like one of the uh, campaigns I'm running at the minute um, in another uh, with another group is I'm doing Beyond the Mouse's Madness. So I'll take that, read through a chapter at a time, and then go through it again after I've done the initial reading to then make notes. If I print out certain sections, I'll highlight key phrases so that I remember the big major beats or bangs in each section. And potentially, I sometimes redo some of the handouts or character sheets if, the, if it's applicable to the scenario. It's one of those that writing it down definitely helps it really cement in my own memory. And I can definitely get it um, a bit more fluid presentation at the table if I have it rather than having to flick back through notes or flick back through the book. And then before running it, then I'll generally have a look online for either reviews or um, videos and commentary of people having run, which is something I found you guys are great for because I can go back to have a look at some of your past <laughs> plays and think, ah, so that's what you would do in that situation. Or um, add, add various bits in in, in different places. Um, just see where people have had problems with it or that if there's any issues that might come up in my game, how I can handle it and so on and so forth. Oh. Well, you know, we're all keepers. Uh, most of us have played with you before and uh, we've noticed how effortlessly you seem to finesse the players. That's a lot harder than it looks. Can you give us some tips? Uh, this comes from many, many, many hours of running laps when you are running around like a headless chicken and have to improvise on the spot quite a bit. When, say, players can go off track, um, I generally let them go and do whatever they want. Um, there's, this isn't a train ride. There are no tracks, or at least try not to have tracks in any, any of the stuff that I run. So key things are keep a close eye on what the, what the players are doing um, and how it fits in relation to the context of the scenario. If you think of it as almost like a canvas and they're moving in different directions, what bits could they likely bounce off? What... Um, what could their actions spark within the wider story? And generally try to bend everything around them so that if they go and do something, 
then it makes it look like the the scenario is reacting to them. Um, but it's not. Oh, you have to go from A to B to C to D to do to do this. That's that's how it's done. More, it looks like it's effortlessly them wherever they're going. They are directing where the story goes. Mm. So there's a bit of perception twisting there, but it's it certainly works better than saying nope. You have to go back to this, and then you must do this and must do this. A lot more freedom yeah. move. So, if you were to advise a new keeper of the pitfalls and dangers of GMSing, what would they be? No plan survives contact with the enemy. Uh, I mean, players. Yeah. Be prepared to improvise. Improvisation is the biggest thing, the biggest skill and biggest friend you can have as a GM. If you're comfortable doing that, then you can pretty much work your way through anything. But also, keep the PCs at the center of the action. You might have some grand NPCs. You might have some wonderful set pieces you want to describe. But remember, the PCs are the star of this, the, this show. And you're here to help facilitate that and make sure that happens. Um, but also, there's, there can be in some games that atmosphere where the, the GM is the enemy. No, no, you are very much out to help and be on the side of the players. You're not, your goal isn't supposed to be, oh, how many of them can I kill this session? Um, very much you're on the side, their side and you all are here to have fun. So just make that happen. I see. One final question is, as an author of scenarios, uh, you've contributed so much. Can you tell us something about your particular creative style, your process? It really depends on what project I'm working on. Because um, I could be called upon to write a scenario for a themed collection. Um, or it could be dealer's choice, where I have free reign to come up with whatever I'd like to do. Um, locations play a big part in some of my initial design process, um, particularly with one of, the, one of the Trail of Cthulhu books I worked on, uh, Mythos Expeditions. Um, I thought, well, where do I want to set this um, scenario in some faraway isolated location? So I had to start thinking, right, do I want it to be on land? Do I want it to be up in the mountains? Do I want it to be somewhere polar? Do I want an island and so on? There'll be a lot of research then and trying to find somewhere that then matches my um, my overall, my overarching brushstroke of, in this case, an island, to find something that then really grips my imagination, something that has a bit of history attached to it, something probably with a bit of weird history as well, because I've tried to bring, I've tried to bring factual elements in as into my scenarios as much as I possibly can, um, particularly with um, that scenario of Mythos Expeditions. Clipperton Island has more weird history there than you, you couldn't write this stuff up. Um, and be any weirder. That that place is crazy. Um, also, say events that take place there, um, a general mystique or something like. So there has to be that wow factor or that uh, kind of mystery or mystique that really grabs me. Um, it doesn't have to be just locations though. It can be like myths or legends, folklore, or just weird bits of history. Um, another one that I uh, quite liked and uh, quite like working on was in um, Covert Actions. Uh, scenario called Cadenza, which features around a number station. And again, just listening to these uh, broadcasts, you can find some of them online. Yeah, they're um, very creepy. Oh, yes. <laughs> exactly that. And it's that, it's that moment, that kind of whoa, that it has to be something that grabs me like that, but then I make the core of a, the core of a scenario. And once I've got location and that overall kind of canvas edge defined, I, I think what could happen at the game table 
it's all nice having a story, but if great stories don't necessarily make great games. You have to have something happen in the course of play that makes it memorable, that keeps the action flowing and generally keeps everything rolling at the table. So it's thinking of what could happen at this location. Maybe this is something that could be thrown in at any point. Um, is there a then a string that you could thread through those events to make a narrative? I'll then put it together, usually in fairly rough note form, um, take it to playtest. I'll playtest the hell out of it with three, four, five different groups, and then throw in little bits and pieces each time, sh shaking it up so no one session is the same to see what works, what doesn't work, then I'll write it up. Wow. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for telling us all of that. Uh, now let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, without any further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness, Matthew. Right. The year is 1933. In fact, it is March the 15th. Um, the location? is the fairly isolated area of Gran Chaco in South America. Um, this is currently the site of the Chaco War fought between Paraguay and Bolivia. You are in, the Bol in Bolivian territory at the moment. Caduceus is a charitable aid organization which is providing help, uh, particularly in the form I'd say of medical aid, across the globe and the Chaco War, because the civilians are getting caught in the crossfire, has come to their attention. So a team of two doctors and a couple of nurses have been dispatched to a isolated locale. The small place called Bamba Rumi, which is a small village just a few miles away from where there's recently been a major battle. And trekking through this location is a combination of arid, arid scrubland, but also forests. Uh, not particularly high hardwood trees, but it's hot, it's humid, and so very dry on the ground. So we have our team of NPCs, the two doctors and two nurses, accompanied by your expedition leader, we'll call him in inverted commas, um, Arturo. And then we have, besides obviously the old pack mules with all your equipment, we have the five of you. You've been out on the out on the trail for probably most of the morning after leaving uh, leaving civilization. Um, cars and other other automated um, forms of transport will only get you so far, but the rest of the way you're going on foot and going with the um, with the pack mules behind you. We've had a little bit of time to get to see um, to get to see and know each other, so we'll do a quick round of introductions, and then we will get to business. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't feel uh, comfortable with these uh, these pack mules. Uh, it's not like something I could prepare. Um, I could uh, I could fix just about anything, but I can't fix a fix a pack mule. I can fix the pack, but uh, since we left the cars behind, this is not exactly my my forte now. Uh, by the way, you all, people call me odd. What do we call all of you? Some strange looking birds. I, it is hot here. Too, too hot. Gerhard Heinrich here. Professor 
study linguist, you know, not my environment. It is much too hot. A linguist, what's that? You, you speak a bunch of languages, huh? Yeah, I speak languages, books, study. What, you fix stuff? I fix anything and everything, my friend. And uh, I also remember everything, so don't screw with me. Good to know. Good to know. Jesus Christ, that guy's got a big knife. Is that for shaving? It's forever whatever it needs to be. Magnus Frost here. Uh, half of the, the, the Frost Brothers. Uh, bounty hunters by trade, but uh, we got hired by this uh, Caduceus Foundation uh, to protect all you lovely folks out here in this jungle. Well, I, I feel totally safe behind that big freaking knife you got there. <laughs> you think I'm dangerous with this? You should see me when I'm barehanded. Did you say that this one over here is your brother? No. Hi. Yeah. Yeah, I'm his brother. Name's Connor. Not much Pataka, huh? No, only when I need to. Well, look, if you guys need any, I don't care who you are, what you've done, or what you did, or what you're going to do. Just if you need something, ask me. Moses. And uh, Bola, what's your story? The name's Johnny Adavino. Although some people call me Angel. No, why'd they call you that? I guess I just make them feel heavenly. Huh. Or maybe I maybe I offer them something that they looked for above, I don't know. Plus it kinda has a nice ring to it. They're probably not gonna call you Angel Buddy. Yeah. Well let's not jump too quick to that, huh? Cause you may be praying that I show up at any time. Roy. Oh, my brother and I, we handle ourselves quite fine. Thank you. Maybe it'd be you that'd be hollering for some help. Well, hopefully nothing else goes wrong on this stupid trip. It's hot as hell. Pretty much on cue from that statement, then. Uh, Arturo, um, Arturo Rossini, his name, um, comes back from the front of the group looking a little agitated. He's been, he's got something on his mind, evidently, and he's been keeping himself to himself at the front of the group for a little while now. But he gestures to the, uh, the five of you, Do you want to come up front and join me a little way from the rest for a second? I've got something I need to, need to talk to you about. All right. And leading up, the ground is slowly going up a gentle incline. Uh, there's plenty of brushland either side of you, and plenty, um, plenty of trees and undergrowth. But it's fairly, fairly open. But he's, he definitely is agitated. He wipes the sweat from his brow. And almost speaks in a, um, almost a stage whisper to you. Says, look, I know this. I, I should be waiting until we get to the village before I explain this, but I'm I'm really not happy with how this has been put together. Me neither. Most most of the time, if we're going out into a situation like this, you guys have got to be in the inner circle for Caduceus because of, because of what we're going up against. But the organisation isn't what it appears to be. But 
our real reason why we're out here is uh, at that point there is an almighty bang as a gunshot ricochets across a bullet catches him about there blood sprays all over odd in the corner and he falls to the ground with a slump you can hear movement in the undergrowth on both sides of you what do you want to do we descend into combat um i instantly pull up my elephant gun and start scanning uh that the direction that the bullet came from, the trajectory. You can see there is someone who looks like in army uniform. Um, you're not too sure what, uh, which side, but definitely looks military of some kind. Uh, towards the rise of the hill, that he's just poked his head above the um, above the rise and is still holding a rifle out, aimed in your general direction. I'm gonna take the shot. Okay, go ahead. Roll. The I'm diving behind the car. I want to go completely prone. Same. Um, I got a... One second. Um, I got a 40 out of 70. Okay, in which case... Roll damage. I'm also calling for the doctors and the nurses to get behind the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, Behind the car! 3d6. I'm going to uh, search uh, the guy that just got shot for any maps or papers that might be on the body in case we have to run. Gotcha. Okay. You can start looting oh. the body. That's no problem. <laughs> uh, the damage was 12. Wow. Okay. Right. He catches the bullet up in the shoulder, flings him round, but then. He just starts to come back round again. That that shot should have taken uh, taken someone pretty much down to uh, down to their knees, if not to, um, taken them out completely. But you can still yeah. see you've got the gun ready in your general direction. So that was, I believe, with Magnus jumping on Dex ninety. I think Johnny also has matched about now. Yeah, I'm getting behind the tree trying to find some kind of cover to get away from where that shot came from. Okay. Uh, you've got left or right, they both look fairly equally appealing. Um, you dive off to one side um, to find, as you stumble through the, un- uh, the undergrowth and come around the tree, you are faced with at least one other soldier who looks somewhat surprised that you've now, you've pretty much up close and personal with him as he's got a shotgun held, held out in hand. Um, he is pretty much stunned to find you stood right in front of him. Is he made, has he made a move towards me with the shotgun or is he completely surprised? He is completely surprised. He was not expecting anyone to run out on the run directly towards where he was. In that case, I'll pull out my cosh and thump him over the head. Okay, he's going to try and parry with the with the shotgun, not expecting hand, hand to hand. He brought a, he brought a gun to this time. Forty-eight on forty-five. Guess I'll be the first to spend three luck. You can certainly spend luck. That is not a problem. Excellent. I'll go ahead and spend three for the hit. Okay. And he has 34 out of 50 on his brawl. So at that point, 
uh, it's effectively a move of fighting back, you hit him. Right, roll damage. Oh, eight, and then one d four for damage bonus. Three, so eleven. Eleven in total. Wow. Eleven total. Right. Um, he has to make a com check. Back his skull. And he is still up with twenty nine out of sixty. But yeah, he. If this was a cartoon, you could almost see the birds going round his head at this point. He's staggering and swaying. Uh, that commotion will alert the rest of you that there are people actually on either side of the tree line now. So it seems they've been lying in wait for you to get to a particular point and then made their strike with the guy up front. So next on 75. Odd. All right. I've grabbed the, the doctors and the nurses to get them back behind the... Uh... Uh, the thing. I got them underneath because I said it's safer under there. Uh, uh, or stay behind a, a mule if you have to. Hopefully you don't shoot the mules. Stupid bastards. Um, there's not much I can do except make sure that everybody is safe. Uh, I don't have a gun. That's fine. You, so you can that, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You heard the four, uh, the four members, the other members of the medical team under the wagon, so that is no problem. They are out, well, not out of sight, but definitely that will give them some cover should fire start coming their way. As Gerhard on sixty. All right. Uh, for the record, I'm not looting the guy for money. I'm trying to. He just told us something very was about to tell us something important. So I'm looking for any kind of maps, secret letters. You know, mission statements, anything like that. Uh, you do find a couple of envelopes on this person, um, as well as... Gerhard, get under here. Worry about that after they stop shooting. One moment. It's important. As well as a folded map. I just stuff it into my pocket, and if it's plausible, I don't know the length of the hill, but I'll just try and maybe roll with the body down the hill so it has some cover with me. I don't know if we're on a steep slant or it's just a rolling hill, but if I could like roll with the dead body so it kind of gives me some cover, I'll do that. If that's ridiculous, I'll just kind of roll my tumble myself down the hill. No, that's fine. You can certainly roll with uh, poor Arturo's body back down the slope, so that will give you uh, definitely a Let's say ablative armor. <laughs> and at the back we have Connor. I'm going to stand next to my brother and I'm going to drop both of my uh, 45 caliber revolvers. And I'll take a shot at the person who's still up that Magnus shot at. Okay. All right. Give me a roll. And 91's not going to cut that. Nope. Uh, the bullet goes straight. Particularly, he's quite a distance away, so you probably have to advance to get a uh, to get a better shot aim with a hanger. Right, then we have the soldiers in the undergrowth. Um, there's the one that's uh, dazed, that's currently st uh, stood in front of Johnny. Um, you realise there are two others, one either side, which are uh, starting to open up. 
there is a barrage of shotgun fire which hails out into the into the open. They impale or not impale, they hit upon the wagon. Um, you hear the mules, they're not hit themselves, but they are scared. They start to rear up and try to bolt, but as they're all connected in a line, they're just um, they're getting agitated, and anyone that goes near them is going to have a swift kick. Um, but otherwise, no one has been hit themselves yet. Um, the one that's in front of Johnny, though, he's going to uh, try and take a swing at you with his uh, with his shotgun. Because he's not down, because he tried to parry with it, he can't grab around and try and shoot you with it, but he can at least try and use it to club you over the head with it. I'm going to dodge that. Okay. Or attempt to dodge it. Four. And on, uh, 47. My dice are back to their usual routine. One point above his skill, 51 on 50. So, there's a swing and a miss. Okay, uh, we proceed back to the top of the round. Johnny on 95. Me again. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'll try to take another shot at him with the uh, with the blackjack. Try to just put him down. Yep, he is yeah, going to try and dodge out the way this time. He's definitely not uh, feeling too too hot about you because his gun didn't fail too well last time. That's a ten. This is this may be the only time I've ever done this well on a fight. Uh, ten <laughs> on forty-five. Okay, well that that'll be at least under a half. Uh, I only got a regular. So yep, you hit. Excellent. Another nice one. Six. And four. Ten. Okay, um, there is an almighty crack. I'm fairly sure that part of his skull shouldn't go in quite as far as it has. Um, there's a trickle of blood down the side of his head and he collapses to the ground. Very nice. The, uh, can I grab his shotgun at this point? Yeah, he's certainly not going to need it anymore. Fantastic. I'll take that, but I'm going to lay down right next to his body. But I'm going to hold his shotgun. Gotcha. All right, on 90, so a second later, Magnus. Um, so I took the shot of the guy. He kind of got hit and then rolled back. Mm-hmm. Connor's fired some shots, and then you said there was some uh, shotgun shots into the clearing. Is that correct? Yeah, from both your immediate left and right. Okay. Um, is there quite a bit of undergrowth in front of us? Like, could there be, like, could there potentially be people hiding in, in the growth in front of me and around me and stuff? Um, you're pretty much thinking of it almost on a, a natural road or natural clearing that goes okay. up ahead of you. Um, the guy that you have seen right up ahead of you on the on the edge of the rim, uh, yeah. the lip. He's the only person that you can see in front of you. Okay, but I've I've heard two gunshots on either side. Okay. Um, uh, garage either side, so m- multiple shooters on both sides. Okay, I'm gonna um, make a gesture to Connor to face one side, um, and then as I turn to the other side, 
I'm going to swing my elephant gun down and bring up my Tommy and just start drilling it into, and I'm basically want to go from one side and then to come bring it back to the guy that was directly in front of me. So I'm kind of doing a, a, a pan across. Gotcha. So you're presumably then going full auto with that thing. Oh yeah. Right. So make your what attack. What am I rolling? I'm rolling this normal. Okay. You're rolling your SMG skill. Okay. Two. Okay, that's that would definitely be an extreme success then. In which case, all shots fired hit the target. The first half round down minimal one, of which impaled. Given the number of bullets you're firing, that's going to be seven lots of seven lots of impale with a Tommy gun. You can roll a shed load of dice, or we can just say they're all dead because they haven't got that many hit points. You're you're the GM. It's your call. Cut him I think on, on an on an impale against regular human target, I think there is a lot of red mist. Cool. Hey, I'm doing my job, right? <laughs> you certainly are. <laughs> All right, on 75, Gil. So am I at the bottom of the hill now? Uh, I mean, odd Gil, rather than uh, Gerhard. Oh. So I think I'm just hunkering with the, the others, making sure they're safe. Okay. You've got um, mostly the reaction from the uh, from the staff down there is just utter terror. There's a couple of whelps and screams. Um, one of them is you can see one of the male nurses is just curled up in a ball, going not again, not again, not again. Look, um, uh, look, it's the Bol it's the war. The Bolivians and the Paraguayans, or whatever you call them. Says, uh, just stay here, stay quiet. At the worst, we'll be taking prisoners, but we're not part of this fight, so just stay down, don't get shot. Some bastards using a machine gun, and hopefully, it's not their side. You can hear mutter, I had enough of this shit on the Western Front. I never wanted to be in this goddamn war zone again. Remember why we're here. We're trying to help people, it's a risk we all agreed to take. Is true. Right, now Gerhard on 60. Yes, you are, still have the wonderful protection of the corpse. Alright, so I'm going to pull it to cover my body, but not obs obscure my vision. And just assess the situation. Hopefully nobody's coming towards me directly. Uh, so after, after the volley of gunfire from both your left and right, the left side has now gone very quiet for some unknown reason. Maybe the Tommy gun. Um, the other side, you can hear there's some there's at least some fight at close quarters going on there for a second, and then whatever's happening further up the hill, you can't see too well from uh, mainly because the body's in the way. But you can see left and right. So I'm just going to hold my position for now, with the body shielding me. Gotcha. Right, Connor. I want to see if it can spot anybody on that right-hand side that were firing their shotguns at the cart. Mm -hmm. Are any of them visible from the clearing? Yeah, yeah, they definitely are. You can see two men. They're a little bit further apart, but they're both looking towards each other or somewhere maybe in the middle as if they're looking for someone. When they, hey, they, you can almost hear them whisper a name. Say, Where are you? All right, well, with one pistol in each hand, I'm going to take a shot at both of them. 
Okay, so you're splitting your dice pool. So, how many points do you want to put into your first attack? Well, so with the dual, I guess firing multiple targets, I'm not familiar with. Um... Uh, you can split your. Normally, this happens when you have a skill above 100. That so you can allocate one shot going in one direction with X amount of your dice pool, and then the remainder of the dice. Okay, pool. I, I got you. So, well, in that case, I'll just fire twice at the closest one. Okay. I've got a seven. Yeah, so sing, single a uh, single target you can pull the gun to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So regular on your first roll. Okay, the first roll is a hit with 53 after penalty dice. Second shot from the other pistol, also a 54, so both of those are hits. And then the damage total from both of those combined would be a 13. Um, Ten that, one, three from the other. Gotcha. That's enough to blow him away um, with the, between those two hits, so he goes down. You can then see the uh, the look of somewhat dismay from the other, uh, from the last one who's standing. Um, he, in response to seeing the guy that was supposed to be next to him has gone down somewhere on the ground and can't be seen. The other guy's just been pumped full of lead. He's going to turn and leg it. So he doesn't drop his gun, but certainly turns and just starts striding and bounding as fast as he can um, through the undergrowth, heading to the right. At that point, from the top of the hill, the guy that's at the, the guy that's right in the, in the distance, you can see he, for his action, turns and starts to move down the hill. Give me the listen checks. Uh, 14. Oh, 05. 40 out of 55. 38. Pass. I'm listening to the male nurse whimper. <laughs> yeah, oh, 05 extreme success for me. Gotcha. Okay, so it sounds like uh, four of the five of you hear what's up there. It seems to start with like the howl of a dog, but something is wrong about the sound. It sounds almost somewhere between a howl and a hiss. And somewhere just over the rim of the hill, you can see something run across the clearing and then almost follow, seem to follow the figure that's run um, that's now pulling away. Hello, friends. Has your life become dull and boring? Are you tired of the humdrum, never-ending routine of work and sleep? Are your acquaintances nice, but uninteresting? Do you long for adventure, danger, terror in your life? Are you willing to sacrifice your sanity for the chance to behold things the human mind strains to comprehend? The answer to all of these problems and more lies within the reach of your fingertips. The good people at Chaosium would like to offer you the chance to delve into the unknown. They have adventures to suit the needs of any investigator, 
adventurer, or barbarous rogue. Don't be afraid. It's what you've been seeking all along. The good people of Chaosium invite you to visit their online establishment at www.chaosium.com and see for yourself how interesting and fun your life can be. Go to the top of the, um, top of the next round. That will be Johnny on 95. There are no other visible targets apart from you can hear the guy running away from you on your side of the clearing. What do you do? I'm laying right next to this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming that this guy's dead. I've crushed his skull. Oh, there's a there's like a glowing oh well not glowing uh, a growing red halo around his head. Yeah. Well, since I'm laying right next to him, my hand on his shotgun, and my other hand's gonna. <laughs> and I don't see anyone else. I'm in no. I guess I'll. I want to. Just lean over and feel just do a quick search of him and see if there's anything on him something personal of his maybe a pocket watch or a, uh just something to try to get some kind of identification of who this guy is yeah um, um he is um, he'll have dog tags because he is a, he is a soldier um they're a bit warm they're a bit battered um but they seem to identify him as being um a private in the bolivian army there's also as you're patting him down and trying to look around, you notice that um, his clothes are a little ragged, as if he's been out and about for quite some time. He stinks to high heaven. Um, there's sweat over him. It doesn't look as though he's taken a bath in at least a week. Um, there are also cuts, bruises, and some minor uh, minor wounds that imply he's been in some, probably a minor skirmish somewhere, but he's received no medical attention. Um, the wounds aren't bandaged. Um, his shoes are almost falling apart. You can see his feet are bruised and blistered. He just seems really ragged, the best way to describe him. I'm just going to snatch those dog tags off, put them in my pocket, and uh, I'll start making my way back towards the other folks in the clearing, but making sure they know that it's me. <laughs> and another guy, because I do have the guy's shotgun as well. Unless a Tommy gun swings around in your direction. Speaking of which... Which guy ran away? Was it the one that Connor was facing, or the guy that was up that I first shot the first time, or did I get him? Uh, the guy that's, uh, the guy that was over the, um, over the rim of the hill, he has retreated as well. He is much further away, though, and he's completely out of sight over the other side of the hill. Right. Um, the one that was uh, that decided to say screw this and leg it was on Connor's side. Okay. Um, would you say he's still within a hundred yards? Yeah, he can't run that quick. There'll be, okay. there'll be some undergrowth between you and him, but bullets don't tend to uh, don't tend to worry too much about that. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to. I've obviously taken down my side. Looked back to Connor. Um, and I've seen the guy scarpering, so I've dropped the the Tommy, brought the elephant gun back up, and I brought Connor into stadium, and I'm putting the gun barrel on his shoulder to steady my shot. 
and I'm going to fire at the guy running. Okay, give me a spot hidden roll to see if you can catch him, um, catch where he is through the undergrowth first. Okay. You that, then you've got, and you've got a fairly good idea whereabouts he is. Okay, that is a fifty. Yes, that is a pass. You Just catch sight. Pass. You have a silhouette of someone rushing through the undergrowth, rushing away from you. So you have a shot. Make your roll. Okay. 26. That is a pass. All right. Uh, roll damage. That's then. a hard pass, yeah. Okay. 3d6. Oh! 12, 13, 14, plus 4. Yeah, he's... Um, because 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Oh, that's, that's more, significantly more than he had. There is this almighty boom from the elephant gun then. Uh, there's brush and undergrowth which is blown apart, and then the figure of this silhouette getting pushed forward and then hitting the deck. And everything goes very quiet. And I just tap Connor on the shoulder to say, you know, thanks. I mean, can't tell if things are quiet. I mean, there's this devil yeah, of a yeah. ring in my ear. <laughs> I'm going to go walk over to the people cowering underneath the cart. I think it's over. I'm reloading are, as well. Just want to make that clear. Are, we clear. are you gentlemen okay down here? Yeah, I think so. I think the nurses and the doctor are fine. But uh, I, I like need to change my clothes once we get wherever we're going. Is everybody okay? Nah, everybody's fine. You not have anything to defend yourself with, Odd? That's not the kind of thing I do. I, I actually have some things to defend myself with, but not so much to attack people with. Mm. I'll walk over to the clearing, grab one of the discarded shotguns that the guy I pumped some shots into, and I'm going to go kind of stuff it into Odd's arms. All right, I'll take this. But remind me, I need to make something like to disabilitate, debilitate people like a I don't know, a net gun or something to... Well, when you have that, you can use it. But until then, next time, I prefer it if, you know, you save your own skin, pal. We can only kill oh, people so fast. Thanks. I'm gonna... Is, is Johnny near me? Because you said he walked out with the shotgun. Um, walking out from the undergrowth. Yeah, if I see him, uh, I'm gonna say, hey, uh, come and help me uh, search these bodies. Are we sure everybody's gone? I'm going to pull a handkerchief out of my pocket and hand it to Odd. You seem to have a little bit of a blood on your face there. Yeah, yeah. I have other grime and shit on me. Yeah, you've got the, there's bits of brain, there's bits of skull, and so good, good old dosing of blood along with that. And even then, it seems to be there's uh, a fair amount of that on the, uh, the shotgun you've been passed as well. Yeah. That'll all wash off eventually. Yeah, it, it, aside from aside from all the uh, the mess, it does seem that the um, the gun is still fairly serviceable. Um, it's it hasn't been cleaned um, aside from obviously all the uh, the grime um, in a while, but still, you think it still works. Well, it's pretty obvious these guys have been out here for a while and haven't touched base with their commandos because look at this. 
They're in a filthy condition. Their guns are in. This gun's in terrible condition. Uh, hopefully, we'll, they fired just fine at us, so I think it will serve you just fine for the time being. Uh, gonna start trying to scrounge up shells for my good friend Odd here. Well, they probably had some shells on them, but yeah, that's nah, the, the point that, that they've been out here for a while. Wonder what they were. Besides the attack, are we not going to talk about the bombshell, the reason we're out here? He, well, we don't he, know. He's dead. Maybe these here, will... Here you can ask him. Here's a piece of his head, his brain. Oh, yeah, I, I found that dead men are a little harder to interrogate than live ones. But well, you, I, you, you snaggled some stuff out of his, uh, his clothes there like a thief. What uh, these will tell us. Right. Uh, you have two envelopes and you have a map. Which one would you like to go for first? The map. This does look to have been put together fairly quickly. Not kind of back of a fag pack uh, quick, but definitely seems to have been say, handwritten with a minimum amount of detail. Now where it says site of battle, is that where the battle we just took? That's the battle that happened the, mainly between that's part of the ongoing war um, that was reported a little while ago that mentioned that there'd been one that took place near the village. That's the, that battle that took place. And so that's Baba Rooney? I didn't catch that, sorry. The, the battle was Baba Rooney? Yeah, the, the aid camp is in the village of, um, of Baba Rooney. Okay. And that's which, the AZD camp. Okay. Which for you as the linguist uh, roughly translates as place of stone. All right. right. And then you've also got the two envelopes as well. Um, oh, which are now a little bit red. Well, I'll open them. Okay. That's the first one you open. So this is the message that was in there, huh? Caduceus uh, mission uh, briefing. Date the 12th of March 1933, that's three days ago, to Dr. Arturo Lucini. Briefing for Bolivian mission. Proceed to aid camp. We saw the map. Present Dr. Gomez, Gomez in charge of the aid camp with the enclosed letter. You should first make your way to the site of the recent confrontation. The site is approximately two miles west of the aid camp on the far side of the river. Beware of possible level three threat. This level three threat, it sounds like code. Uh, in the vicinity, our intelligence on the threat is regrettably limited. We believe the threat uh, is a temple guardian of some kind. Your mission is to enter the temple and review Retrieve the mummy for immediate return. What the hell is this? For immediate return to Caduceus headquarters in New York. Any accompanying artifacts should likewise be recovered and brought home. Your team of specialists is very able but new to the job. As always, we find it best to initiate and test newcomers in the field. Brief them uh, as... Brief, brief them as and when you see fit. Uh, we will expect to report on the individual team members on your return. You have proven over and over again 
that you can keep your head. <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, when those around you are losing theirs, we have all we have every confidence in your abilities. Uh, regards, Shapiro. Ah, so that was his problem. The rest of us weren't losing our heads, so he couldn't keep his. So what is this? Was some part of secret organization that we didn't know anything about? He's acting like they're testing us. They're testing us. Well, they were. Uh, he's he's dead now. No more tests. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm no, I'm no historian, right? But uh, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. But um, mummies aren't typical to this area. Is that correct? Uh, there are Peruvian mummies. There are mummies are in all indigenous uh, cultures, ones that revered uh, a death ceremony. I mean, you know. Right. Still, this seems like a lot of work just to pick up a mummy. Well, I thought we were going to help a bunch of doctors. We got doctors and nurses over here. Well, we're, right, we're, that was the memo that I got. This is far more interesting. Well, it's like they had other plans after we got them to the aid camp. Now, was that the letter that we're supposed that he was supposed to give, or is there another letter? There's two. Let's <laughs> let's see what the other letter. Yeah, let's find out what what apparently we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah, the second envelope contains this. 12th March, 1933. Dear Dr. Gomez, we hope that all is well at the camp. This letter should be handed to you by Dr. Arturo Rossini, a trusted member of our organization. He and his team have important work to conduct in the vicinity of your camp. Please extend to him and his team your support and hospitality. I trust the additional staff and supplies that he brings will prove useful. Yours sincerely, Shapiro. Well, that was a big letdown. That was, that did, hug. I wonder who this Shapiro is. I wonder how much he'd pay for any mummy we find. What, um, who did we deal with when we were approached by Caduceus? Uh, mostly, the guy was now lying at your feet. It's the reason why you went on the mission with him. Okay, so he, he approached us to join the car. Did you check him thoroughly? There's nothing else? Yeah, that seems to be the... Apart from, obviously, his personal possessions that are still on the, with the mules, but now the um, the other four are starting to calm down. But those that's the only real thing of importance you found on him. Look, um, how... How far away do you think we are from base camp? Has anybody got any kind of navigation? I mean, if we look at the map and we see the amount of miles, um, is it possible if I could do like a track roll to try to gauge where we are on the map? Your choice of track or navigate. I'll go with track. And 81 isn't going to do it, so I got no clue. We'll uh, we'll figure it out. Um, did me and Johnny find anything of interest on the bodies? Pretty much the same story as the one that uh, Johnny had. There's a reasonable amount of ammo between them. They went tooled up, but they were ready for an encounter should one happen. Um, but yeah, there's some where they've, they've got bite marks from insects, where they've grown up in boils. 
um, that haven't been tended to. Others have got some fairly nasty cuts. Uh, one of them's missing, missing completely a shoe, and his foot must have been very painful to walk around on barefoot. Um, yeah, they just seem to be. Again, there's this feeling of ragged. There's complete lack of medical care, and just generally they're not falling to bits. But they're in a they were in a pretty bad shape. Hmm. Been out here for a while. Well, they just went through hell before they found us. Well, let's go back to camp and give this inane letter to uh, Dr. Gomez. And uh, back, we haven't even gotten there yet, Odd. Well, I mean, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Let's get back to the trip, is what I mean. Well, I mean, back to the trip is over that ridge where somebody was shooting at us. So you know, just want to be prepared. If you're ready to go rush under the cart again, you should just. Be prepared to do that. Well, what other choice do we have? We can move forward, or by the way, I've completely cleaned and refitted this gun. Uh, if somebody wants this one, I'll take another one that needs some work done on it. How about you guys wait here? I'm gonna go take a peek over that hill and see if I can see anybody else. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure everyone in the party is armed um, using weapons of uh, the ones that are on the bodies. Um, and I'll give them to, to Gil and have him sort of clean them up and, and make sure everyone kind of has a pretty bait as, as, um, Connor goes up, I'll, I'll teach everyone a pretty basic, like where to place it and so on and so forth. So they have a basic knowledge of how to, you know, you shoot from this end. Is there any, uh, are there, is there anything in the supplies that could be used? Uh alcohol or something that we could uh, make, uh, could create some sort of makeshift uh, weapon. Something we could chuck at people. Yeah, I mean, if you have a look through some of the um, some of the cases that you've got back there, um, there is certainly alcohol there, medicinal use, but hey, still burns like reg uh, regular alcohol. I want to use too much because if there are medical problems up here ahead, I want people to be able to have alcohol. Um, there is also um, a senior's luggage that's there um, that does seem to be relatively heavy. Hey, he's got, uh, we forgot about his luggage. We could see what's in there. Maybe there's more to uh, what uh, what's going on. I, I pop the lock if it's, uh, if it's locked. Yeah, yeah it, it opens up. It's not like he's worried about uh, anyone being like fingered around here. It's, there's, it's not locked. Um, there's his um, his clothes and so on, and then inside, um, inside a case within that, you find a forty-five revolver, um, plenty of ammunition, a couple of boxes of rounds in there, and also three sticks of dynamite. There you go. I'll I'll just take all of those. I could just, I'll take that. That would definitely come in handy. Gun to hold. All right. So, uh, oh, in response to the message I just got, so. Right. Um, heading along the trail um, to see where this fella's gone ahead of you, there is no sign of him. But anyone that goes over there can give me a track roll. All right, a 37 is a pass. Okay. There's definitely signs of 
a person that was stood there in boots crouched down as well before they retreated back. They retreated back at fairly high speed by the look of it, so they've got quite a long leg stride as they've been running. There was also something else there, that that sound of either a, a dog or a hiss. It was hard to tell exactly what sound it was making. But yeah, that what was there was probably about the size of, again, the size of a man, but doesn't leave any footprints that you've ever seen before. This is something definitely for uh, walking on all fours, clawed and very big feet. All right, um, and it's just following right behind the the man's boot print. Kind of off to one side and slightly behind. Do they? I mean, as far as I can see, do they just stay together, or does like the man's footsteps stop abruptly and the clawed ones keep going? No, they they go along together and then they go off into the undergrowth. Okay, so it didn't like. Take him. Okay, just... Hey, um, looks like there's some kind of animal out here with these guys. I'm not familiar with the flora and fauna of the uh, the Peruvian jungles. No, I'm not familiar with any dog quite this size. Like, about how big are these claw prints? Are they like plate sized? Oh, they've got a wide hand span. So if it, if it was a dog, it would have to be about, again, say about the size of a man or bigger. Yeah, this is a. Oh, these are weird. Do we all see them now? If they're pointed out, you can all see them. How many toes? Uh. They would have uh, four. Four toes. You got me. All we know is it's some big animal, like an attack dog or something. I've, I'm not familiar with any attack dogs this big. Could I make an occultural? Yeah, or if you've got mythos, that would be a, a good substitute as well. No. Uh, 24 out of 55. Mm -hmm. So hard. Plenty of, there's plenty of examples the world over of um, big dogs in folklore and myths and legends. Um, things like Black Shuck and other Black Devil dogs or um, Hellhounds. But certainly large dogs that are monstrous are not unheard of, but it's quite a wide area to try and pin down what one it could be, if it is one of those. I just look down at it and I stand back up and I say, Hellhounds, and I walk back to the group. Hellhounds. So uh, we're dealing with a three-headed Cerberus with a snake tail. No, that would be about this big. Hellhound. Okay. It's better than a Vevolf. Not like a big. Do, do I recognize the print? 
give me a, be a no roll, so it'd be your education. Education? Okay. Seventy-two, so probably not. Uh, no, I don't want to spend the luck on that, so I'm gonna say no. Again, it looks it has similarities to a dog. The claws are pretty vicious, but it's mm. the size that gets you. It just seems bigger than it should. Right, right. Is everybody uh, suited and booted and ready to move on? Yeah, and we're on to the teeth at this point. Well, it looks like we're going to need to be. Let's Connor, get... do you want to take uh, take the lead? I'll bring up the rear. That yeah, works for me. Right. Unless anybody has any objections. Uh, does the uh, does the cart need a driver, or is it just that we're just sort of leading the the, the mules? Find the latter. They're pulling this thing along. They're very much pack mules. All right. So I'll help uh, guide the mules. So a mummy, very interesting. This is turning out to be quite an adventure. Well, it sounds like you got something over here. He said a temple, a mummy. Uh, and I think he said something about a temple guardian. And Caduceus wants the mummy, the guardian, yeah. Could there be a treasure? They said there would be some artifacts, and I'm sure whoever this uh, Shapiro fella is, is he'll pay us quite a pretty penny if we find this stuff for him. And mummy itself is a treasure. Well, if it's out here, I, I want to find it. Well, me and me brother, uh, well, our, our business is in finding people. Granted, normally the people are alive, but um, I'm sure finding a, a dead one won't be that hard. And I'm sure he's dead ones point. don't move, so I'm sure it'll be right. easy from that standpoint. What about this 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 guardian? Though, so what what what? I mean, any ideas what that could be there? Maybe that's Professor. the guardian right there, and I pointed the the footprints. Well, it's a level three threat, whatever that means. What does that mean? And it maybe takes three bullets. Well, I don't know. It doesn't sound to me like that's very high up the scale. If there's ten on the scale. Hmm. Going to depend. Of course, if there's only three on the scale, then that's the worst. I guess. Well, what, what, about, what, about, what if? Yeah. What if threat level one is the worst, and that yeah, means three is pretty bad? <laughs> yeah. See, we don't know what the scale is. If you know what the scale is, then you can tell how dangerous it is. But well, look, maybe this this uh, Gomez fellow will have more information. Uh, well, he I, we, he seems to do because they they've got this letter for him. So let's get there. Yeah, but I don't think there's anything in the letter that indicates that he knows anything about how secret we are. Agreed. I didn't know that we were secret. I don't think any of us knew that we were I think we got a lot of questions for Caduceus when we get back to New York. All right, let's keep going. have a message I am dealing with. I will be with you. I think this is a test. If we were going to be introduced to this and we survived, then maybe Caduceus would take us into their fold. Well, I don't think that we have any choice at this point. 
I was gonna say, it, normally, I mean, I had more important things to do than go to school, but yeah, the I little I saw of it, the person giving you the test generally didn't die before it started. Yeah, I don't like this being forced into taking some sort of a life or death situation test. It's kind of insulting. No matter what we like or don't like, the facts still remain. We're in a jungle. We have gorillas shooting us. We have some giant animal, hellhound more than likely, prancing around. And there's a mummy and a temple. There could be treasure, gold, books, vast knowledge. Where else in the world would you want to be but right where we stand, gentlemen? Actually, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, I could be re repairing some stupid uh, general's car or something. And... and think about it. Now, who's there to just hand over the money for the, uh, the mummy for free? So. They put us out here uh, to get shot at. You know, we might as well. They want the mummy. We can get the mummy. And be pretty well off for it. Doesn't matter if there's any treasure with it or not. These people want that corpse and I intend to make them pay for it. I think that we should uh, keep this to ourselves, too. Agreed. You know? But we should also figure out at the camp what we're going to do to prepare this time. We really weren't prepared. It would have been nice if we could have prepared. Well, you're prepared now. You have your... Uh... Okay. I think that Arturo was about to prepare us. As you're talking, everyone's in kind of rough earshot of everyone else anyway, at least to, to varying degrees. And you hear one of the um, one of the male nurses, the same guy who was uh, kind of curled up in a um, in a ball, saying "Not again, not again" under the wagon. Um, suddenly starts as if he suddenly remembered something and rushes over to the wagon and quickly has a look through one um, look through some of the crates, as if he's looking for something. Hey, buddy, what you looking for? I, it, it suddenly came to me, the, the, the radio we've got with us. I'm wondering if it was damaged during in the gunfight. Got a radio. Let's check and see. Let's see if we can find it. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go making any uh, transmissions yourself because the gorillas out there probably have radios too. I'd just listen. He, he nods in agreement. Oh, it was main, mainly to check to see if the thing was working or not. I don't want to uh, be in a position if we get ambushed again and need to call for help, but we, we haven't got a way of doing it. Well, buddy, if we call for help, I doubt that anybody would be here for a week. We are the help. But so he, he, he kind of gulps at that. But think, hmm. Do we indeed find the radio? Yes, um, thankfully it's buried quite deep within uh, within the wagon. Uh, there's there's a couple of bits of damaged luggage around it, but the radio itself is intact. Um, it has a long um, uh, cord. You'd have to hook it up to somewhere fairly high to get the antenna up sufficiently enough for it to work. But the trees around here seem pretty pretty climbable. But they say the wagon's still rolling at the minute. He seems vis visibly relieved that this thing is seemingly intact. Well, don't worry too much about this. Now, that's something there that I can take apart, put it back together, and I could uh, modify it and put it back together even better than it is now. Oh, he, he nods. Well, that's, that's good to know. I just hate being out in the uh, 
at the arse end of nowhere and not have any way to, to call for help. We'll get this set up when we get to camp. He, yeah, he nods and goes back to join the other the other three. There's uh, two two ladies and two men. So one one male, one female nurse, one male, one female uh, doctor as well. Did anybody get injured, by the way? Not a scratch. They patted themselves down as well, but none none of the others are, are injured either. Apart from maybe a couple of scrapes as they dove underneath the uh, under the wagon. Doctors, it would seem like we don't need your services at the moment. Well, I mean, Octoro was pretty injured, but yeah, I don't think he even saw it coming. I mean, I don't think he even knew that he was dead. Just woke up on the other side, and he's like, "What the heck happened to me?" And then he saw his body on the ground, you know. And then the angels came to take him up to wherever he was. No, I think the angel beat somebody to death in the woods, but you and I might be remembering events differently. You took that guy down with your kosh. That's pretty damn good. It's just a reflex. I didn't know he was there. He didn't know I was there. Now he doesn't know anything. Hey, Koopa. I can't do nothing trying to sleep with all this skittering going on. I tried taking a sleeping aid, but I'm being driven crazy by the rats in my walls. The sound is making my inappropriate named cat very nervous. What can I do? Do you have rat problems? Are the vermin running you ragged? Try Brown Jenkins Industrial Size Rat Traps and get right to the heart of the problem. Brown Jenkins Rat Traps will eliminate your rat infestation from the inside out. Instructions are included on the package and are printed in every known language. Yes, Brown Jenkins Rat Traps are the product you should turn to in your hour of need. That's Brown Jenkins. What time of day is it? Roughly early afternoon. So you've been out on the on the track for a, few, a fair few hours now. So it's the hottest part of the day. Yeah. Do we feel we will be able to cover the ground to the campsite before dark? Because it gets very dark very quick in the jungle. Oh yes. This this is more forest than jungle, but still same same applies. It's out in the out in the middle of nowhere. You find that despite not being able to um, make too much use of the very scribbled map that you've got, that um, you're only about four miles out from the village. So after probably an hour or two of going forward, just even in just this heat at that time of day, you're not getting very far very quick. It just takes nice and slow breaks under what shells you can find and then move on. You do start to hear the sounds of village life uh, off in the distance and as you approach coming round a bend and the undergrowth starts to lessen down and you can start to see through the trees you can make out what is the very small village um, where the aid camp has effectively taken over. Um, this is the only real in inverted commas, civilization, the only, um, only habited area in a long way in either direction. So there, there's no nothing else it could be other than the village. To give you an idea of what it looks like as you start coming in to the clearing, that you're coming up from the south through that little gap in the tree line and then can see 
this wide open area with forests surrounding it on all all the sides certain of the um, buildings here have evidently been bombed out um, so the war at least the conflict has come here there are people moving around between the various tents between the various buildings the, the indigenous locals um, some of them are walking wounded uh, you can see some with arms in rudimentary slings others uh, hobbling along on crutch um, or makeshift crutches there's only two people that you can see that are wearing any army uniforms and they're off by the soldiers tents over on the top right hand corner um, they seem to be almost standing guard by the uh, between the two sets of three tents um, they are looking in your direction but haven't made any any overt movement other than that um, they are wearing the same uh, bolivian army uniform as the four unfortunates that you came across a few miles back down uh, back down the path um, otherwise the tents that are more close to you when you arrive the staff tents the mess tent the laundry tent they are evidently more recently put up um, and again you can see that there are some of the walking wounded which are heading towards the hospital tent the radio tent is not quite a crater but it definitely looks like there's been some gunfire or small explosion that's happened around there um, through the gap in one side um, it will probably strike a chord with odd that there is definitely a, a large field radio in there there's also pieces of it all over the floor there's bits of it that are scattered to the four winds that that thing has had a thorough beating and no no goodwill in the world with the best engineers putting that um, um, that humpty dumpty back together again ah but i could use it for parts maybe you you could probably cannibalize some of it but yeah putting the whole thing back together again that is spare parts job now what a challenge <laughs> so thankfully you have a working radio in your um in your wagon but again always good for spares as we look across the um the soldiers by the tent their uniforms are they more well kempt or are they as rough as the ones that we saw in the forest having a good look even if it's only from uh, from a distance the longer you stare at them yeah you can see they're a bit rough around the edges as well their hair isn't uh, particularly neatly kept well then you can see their shoes falling apart there's um at least a blood stain on one of their arms yeah they're similar kind of condition is there medical staff walking by there are in fact there's as you are looking around you evidently hear that word of your arrival has seemed to be spreading amongst the locals and a man comes out from the hospital tent and starts working his way over towards you you are you are you dr gomez Yes, yes, I was looking for a Dr. Ossini. Yeah, he didn't quite make it. Has he been held up? No, uh, pushed. Yeah, he, he was uh, permanently delayed. He, he's jaw, his jaw hangs a little bit. Oh, I, um, I get your meaning now. Ah. Uh, he, he just nods. We did find uh, this letter here, though, for you, uh, Jared. 
Gerard, whatever your name is. Do you have the letter? Heine, Heinrich. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just observing the situation. Any of you notice that they're wearing the same uniform that fired upon us? Well, let's not talk about that right now. I think we should before we go handing over information to people who just tried to assassinate us. No, no, no. Dr. Gomez wasn't out there in the woods it's, shooting at us. There's nothing in that letter that says anything. Uh, Gomez looks a little confused, um, looking at the soldiers, looking back at you, and then gesturing discreetly in their direction. Those guys attacked, attacked the you people, way here? People in the same uniform. Bolivian soldiers attacked and killed the doctor on the way here. He just shakes his head. And then I take out the envelope and hand it to him. Ah, he, he graciously takes it. He opens it up, has a quick read, folds it back up, puts it back in and looks between the five of you and, and then hands it back. Yes, well, um... Well, thank you for, for that. And unfortunately, uh, poor, poor Dr. Rossini. But you, you, you said that people in the same uniform attacked you. Well, I, how, we don't know how close the Paraguay uh, uniforms are to the Bolivian ones, but uh, the dog tags seem to indicate these were Bolivians. Uh, are deserters common around here? I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, we, the the front lines shifted a good twenty, thirty miles ahead of us now, so we're we're well and truly out of the out of the line of fire after the after the skirmish that took took place on the other side of the river. But I again, he shakes his head and then comes comes a bit closer to you, keeping an eye over his shoulder to um, in the direction of the other two soldiers. But they they are quite a way off. And he says. I don't know what's going on with these these people. There, there's there's no conflict here yet. They they've come here and they've basically they've taken over a large part of our facilities. They're you're draining our supplies. They're just running roughshod over our operation, trying to help trying to help the locals. And it's I don't know. It's, it makes no sense why they're here. Has anybody talked about a big dog by chance? He recalls a bit dog. Yeah, we saw evidence of the uh, the people that attacked us were accompanied by some kind of large dog. Uh, I think there are a couple of small dogs, mainly you know, pets, in the um, in the village. Um, Gregor uh, Gregorio has um, has a small dog, but it's only a it's only a small little thing. It's not not big by any by any stretch of the description. Is the dog, is it calm most of the time? Oh, it gaps occasionally. I mean, I've heard it once or twice. Do any of the guys um, over, over in the corner, do they, any of them look like they might have a wound from where yeah. I possibly have shot them? Ah, not, definitely not from, um, they would have been covered in lots of wounds if you if you had a go at them. Now, it looks yeah. like one of them took, it looks like a, um, a cut where rather than a bullet hole. Okay. Um, where you can see a definite gash in um, in the guy's sleeve, and then it's blood to see through from that. 
Um, a wound like that that hasn't been tended to would almost certainly be infected by this point. Now, I want to ask the doctor, how many troops are here right now or were there this morning? This morning, uh, there are six, eighteen. There's 20, 23 of them in total. Um, they all, almost all of them go out of the, for the last few days, they've been going out at the crack of dawn. Um, off, they split into three different groups and they, they head off into the, into the forest. But uh, they always leave two behind, uh, guarding the rest of their, presumably the rest of their supplies and uh, whatever. So there are only two of them here now? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, there's only the two. I haven't seen anyone else. Want to go have a chat with them? Well, if some of them don't return this evening, then we know what happened. So it better just leave well enough alone and not stir up any kind of hornet's nest. Yeah, Gomez is um, his eyes open a little wide when he mentions uh, when he mentioned about going over to talk to them, and he says, "Yeah, I'm." I'm I'm, I'm quite happy helping putting people back together again, but I don't want to talk to those guys. They, uh, something about them just really, just, just unnerves me. Hmm. Well, I want to go. I want to go over there. Let's get settled. Where are we staying here? Well, we've got the, the staff tents. We've got plenty of um, plenty of room set up there. So we were obviously told that you were coming. So we've got. Um, a series of them all like um all on the front row um all all adjoining um six man tents so there's plenty of room for everyone um obviously plus all the rest of your equipment that you brought excellent i'll have a look at that uh that radio tent after uh after we get this all set up i'm going to take the radio too and i'm going to set it up mm -hmm. Yep, doesn't take too long. Uh, there is a mast, well, a basic mast that they've got attached to it, so you can run your own um, your own cable up there. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm said that's what I'm doing for the next hour. Okay, it probably doesn't even take that long. Well, you know, I have to fiddle with it. <laughs> Make sure it's just right. <laughs> it has to be up to my standards. <laughs> Okay, so Connor's going over to wander over to the soldiers, or is anyone else going with him? I'll back him up. Hey, Gerard, do you speak any Spanish? No, I do not, unfortunately. Johnny was on the verge of saying something. Uh, no, I do not speak Spanish, unfortunately. What about you, Angel? you speak Spanish? Nope. Here we all are in a Spanish-speaking country, and none of us speak Spanish. You will point to one of the nurses that we brought. Do you speak Spanish? Um, male or female nurse that you're pointing at? Uh, female. Okay. Yeah, she hasn't said much so far. Uh, yeah, she turns, uh, gradually realizes that it's her that you're talking to. Um, oh, me. Me? Yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, I, I, I speak Spanish. You might need you to translate for a second if you just want to come help us talk to these gentlemen over here. Yes, it's a, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. 
she pretty much follows your lead, really. And I'm gonna go over there and just say, hello, gentlemen. She probably corresponds in, in Spanish, says something to them. Um, they look between her and then look between you and just nod. She then turns to you and nods. I think that becomes across in any language, really, she says. Um, I want to... It just might sound weird, but I need to ask them if they've seen a big dog around lately. I want to look very carefully at their, how they react. Okay, give me a psychology roll. A 38. I want to spend one luck point to make that a hard success. Okay. You have a lot of psychology. Yeah. Pero espectacular. Yeah, the we'll see, correspondence happens. It gets translated. Um, the look on their face, it, it definitely prompts a reaction. They're not really trying to hide it. But it's more of a case of somewhat surprise and amusement. Um, there's a bit of dialogue back, and then the nurse translates, saying, "Yeah, they're aware of uh, aware of some dogs. They say that you've uh, have you been playing with them." Uh, just ask them uh, about the big dog that was with their friend earlier this afternoon. Blah, 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 Spanish. Turns back and then the, the reply is fairly short, but not curt, but close to being it. She says, well, which, which group? Or which dog? Multiple dogs. Uh, the dog with the, the group down that road. Okay. The road we came from. Yeah, they... They look in that direction, then reply to her. Um, she says, yeah, they they have a, a guard dog that they, they took with them, or a tracking dog. Okay, I'm going to look over at Magnus. And I'm going to look to her. I'm just going to be like, uh, you want to ask them why their friends attacked us this afternoon? She is a bit taken aback. Okay, I don't want them to get angry, but she takes a step back and then timidly asks the question. Uh, they turn and look towards you, reply directly to you, and then she trans uh, still looking you in the eye. She replies with, "What do you do? What did we do to make them attack us?" One of your friends shot our leader in the head. That's about as again goes back and forth. Um, she looks a little taken aback by the response. Says that'll be that'll be down to the the captain to to answer to then. That was his detachment that went down there. Um, and where might we find this captain of yours? Uh, captain Lafonte. Um, La uh, he, 
he was with the rest of the group that went down down that road. So he hasn't come back here. Well, let's hope that he was the one that got away then. Yeah, she uh, responds and they, they nod, say something short and replies, uh, she replies with a bit of a gulp saying, they, they say you better hope he does come back. Or what? Yeah, I just grin and uh, sort of start, you know, just, and I'm just, I'm, whoever's kind of like answering most of the questions, I'm just giving him a real evil grin, just like kind of almost telling him, try something. And I've stepped so that the woman's behind me. Like I've got, she's just behind my shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, again, there's a back and forth. So it won't be, um, she says, it won't be them that starts anything. It'll be the sergeant and the lieutenant that would do it when they get back. Look, pals, we, we were we were the ones that were attacked. We're just trying to, yeah, figure out what's going on here. The thing is, you shoot at at, at us, you you got to expect to be shot back at. There's there's a shrug, almost like a Celavi kind of expression on their face, and again the nurse translates. Yeah, they um they agree. They're saying that uh, shit happens. It's a war out there. Well, let's just make sure that none, uh, no more shit happens here, shall we? Yeah. Um, again, back and forth. They they say they aren't going to be starting anything as long as you, um, as long as everyone here behaves themselves. They won't do anything. Um, I reach into my uh, into my pocket, one of my pockets, and I got a pack of cigarettes and I throw it to. Uh, to one of the soldiers. Okay. Um, it almost bounces off his chest before he even realizes that it's thrown. And then looks down at the ground, very slowly picks it up, and then just stares at it in his hand for a second. And then hands it back to you. You can give me psychology rolls if you like. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> uh, 37 is a hard success. Oh, I got a 74, so yeah. Yeah, yeah you're not too sure. You're thinking, what the, what, what the hell kind of soldier refuses cigarettes? This doesn't make any, any sense. <laughs> For Connor, the way they're acting. Are they armed? Yes, um, rifles slung over their shoulders plus sidearm in there. Um, how, how close are they standing to us? How close do you want to be? I guess if we just took a cigarette thing back from them, I guess we're pretty close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I want to grab the one that, as he's handing the cigarettes back to Magnus, I want to grab him. Okay. As as you grab him, particularly, you get a good close uh, look in his eyes. You're not too sure exactly which it might be, but. It's either that he's kind of out of his, not out of his mind, but there's definitely this, there's almost that look in his eyes of the lights are on, but no one's home. You didn't say better. You think it's almost like he's been drugged. It's either 
guy reacting to me grabbing his friend? Oh, he looks at you. Hey, Magnus, grab this one. Cool. I, I, gra- I grab him. Mm-hmm. Okay, he looks a little bit surprised that he's being grabbed. But otherwise, the two of them, again, those, they start talking. The nurse then says, uh, they suggest that you unhand them. Otherwise, the, the, the captain or the sergeant, whichever returns first, will not be very happy with you. Hmm. How long have you been soldiers? Back and forth. Uh, they're, only pri- uh, they're both privates. They've only been in service less than a year. Uh, this is probably the, close- the closest to the real action they've been in quite some time. Even then, they arrived here after the fight on the other side of the river. Have you ever been in combat before? Yeah, they both not. Why are you at this aid camp? He, he shrugs. He says, follow, um, translated, following orders. Need place to stay. Cool. Coordinate yeah. search. Are you looking for the temple? Um, they, again, shrug. Temple. Like genuinely confused, so they they don't seem to know why they're here. Okay. Um, so I just uh, uh, tell them, all right, right. Well, when this captain or sergeant, or whatever of yours, turns up, send him our way. We'd like to have a chat. Well, no, I think Magnus. I think the heat might be getting to these gentlemen. They seem a little uh, incoherent to me. Uh, nurse asked him if they would mind getting examined. They're getting interchanged. Uh, they can't leave their posts. I will take over. Ooh, if you want to give me a either an extreme fast talk or extreme persuade in that How it's going through a translator, you can potentially get them to uh, acknowledge that request. <laughs> just get intimidate. I'm just letting Connor look at them. <laughs> He is right. a scary individual. He sure is. Uh, oh, 16. So was it uh, fast talk or persuade, was it? Mm-hmm. Ah, damn. My persuade is 10, so I can spend luck to do it. Mm. So that would take you down to... Yeah, no, nah, I won't. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a hefty luck thing. Oh, yeah, the, there's a shaking uh, of heads between both of them, and the, the nurse translates saying, "No, they they'd be they'd be punished quite severely if they were to, if they were to." Wait, hang on, sorry. How many soldiers are there? There are two of them here, but there are another twenty-one out in the field because the um, Gomez, the doctor said that there were 23 in total. Right, but there's only two here. Yes. And how many did we kill back at the 
ambush site. Six. Um, well, I'm gonna magnets. So it's. I'll, I'll look at the one. I'll look at the one who's got the cut, mm -hmm. and I'll say you at least need to go get that checked. So I'll take your spot, and you go with my brother to go and get checked on by the doctors, and I'll stand here with your friend. Um, again, back and forth. No, he says he's not bothered by it, or that he's, he's told to say he's not bothered by it. He, he seems... I don't know, that just doesn't seem right to me. She has a look at the arm, which he probably then tries to turn his body away from the nurse in the process. Yeah, she she nods between the, to the two of you and says, that, that wound's almost certainly infected. That looks like a fairly deep cut. Uh, let's see, um... Ask them if they would mind if a doctor came to examine them while they're at their posts. And back well, uh, as long as the uh, the captain or the sergeant give them the uh, give clearance to do so, but they they won't know until tonight. Obviously, when they get back, that's when they should get back. Right. Well, uh, I'm getting bored, so I'm going to head back into the into the tent. Okay. Well, Odd's still uh, putting the radio up at this point. Uh, what are Johnny and Gerhardt doing? I've been talking with uh, Johnny and watching what's going on on the other side of camp in case something happened. Okay. Um, give me a spot hidden roll then um, between the two of you to see if you do notice something that happens in reaction to part of that conversation that happened over there. 37 out of 45. Uh, 38 on 65. Okay, so both of you then uh, see some reaction. So there are people moving around. Uh, there's generally a wide berth given to the soldiers and the tents that they're near. But you can see there's at least one boy um, that you can see going around carrying a, um, what do we call it, a bucket of water that's just about in range behind Connor and Magnus and the nurse with the two soldiers. Uh, when you catch mention of um, temple being, uh, come up, that word come up in the conversation, and then Connor and Magnus is uh, responsible, well, even they don't seem to know what they're doing here. Um, the boy stops kind of mid-stride uh, mid for a second, and then looks around, changes direction from where he was going, and heads to one of the uh, one of the indigenous huts, like an adobe structure with uh, with a straw roof. And as he dives on him, you can hear this uh, dog inside yapping uh, for a couple of seconds. Angel, you picked that up? Yeah, I did. The kid didn't like what he heard, did he? I think that's who we need to speak to. It's the thing about kids. They say little little people and big ears. I think we should keep an eye on these two, make sure they don't do something ridiculous, and then uh, at some point we'll peel away and speak to the locals. That's where they'll, they're, 
they will be the ones to know if and where this temple would be located. Yeah. Not only that, but the kid, you know, kids got to oh. play and he's probably been, if there's anywhere that's hidden around here, he's probably been there. Absolutely. So maybe if we could win the kid's trust, we could probably get him to take us wherever we want to go. Yep. You're thinking what I'm thinking. I like that. How long do you think Adi's going to take on that radio? He's pretty good with his tools. So, I mean, he could spend the next week there if he wanted to, but. That's true. That's true. Now, is his, was one of these beds set up his? I think that one is. I think, look, gonna... his bag's right there. Oh, yeah. It's the one with all the, all the weird symbols on it. I'm just going to set the shotgun that I got off that, off that guy over on top of his bag. I don't need that. I'm sure he'll turn it into something, some kind of something. You know how he is. Amazing. Just a week I've known him, and I've seen him take apart anything and everything he can get his hands on. Brilliant. Yeah, the cool thing is that he can actually put it back together, and it still works as it did when it took it apart, something I could never do. He is an odd fellow, though, isn't he? <laughs> the name precedes him. And hey, listen, um, these these soldiers, you see they acted a little funny in front of those two. Yeah, they looked a little spaced out. I got a feeling, a, a strange feeling from the one that had the unfortunate run-in with me. Uh, it was It was like he was... I picked up this feeling that um, that he'd been just searching for something for days and days and days, just constantly searching. And every once in a while, they would be talked to just almost um, like an extreme, just intense and, and, and almost mesmerizing amount of orders as if they're not it, it seemed almost like they were being puppeted as if as if somewhere behind this these guys are not running on their own i don't think they're running on their own at all well i'm not sure what you believe in johnny but there are much much stranger things out in this world than most men can even dream yeah I just, I, I, I don't like taking life. That's not what I'm about. And I just, it, it's just not. It's not something I like to do. I'm not excited about it. And to see him laying there at my hand, I, I, that's not something I like to do. There's other ways. Much like you say, there are things that other people, there's more out there than we could ever imagine there's also other ways to get around these things we don't just have to go through people's flesh it doesn't have to be so physical and I, I, I understand where you're coming from and I put my arm on your shoulder but in this case it was you or him and I'd much rather have you here than him 
come. Let's yeah. find this boy. I'm gonna I'm gonna ease out from under his touch so <laughs> as not for it to trigger anything. Okay. And you start heading over towards the towards the hut. And Odd, about this time, is finishing putting together the radio. Um, just in time to catch that there is, um, on the station at least, there is a wavelength that you know Caduceus used, where, or Caduceus used, uh, where someone seems to be talking. Huh. All right. Uh, what are they saying? What can I hear? Um, you hear a male voice. Uh, say, Arturo, for God's sake, are you there? Rossini, pick up. I want a sit rep. I want to know if you're there or not. Over. Ah, uh, this is uh, uh, Guillermo's odd field. Uh, I'm afraid that Arturo uh, can't make it. He uh, he met with an unfortunate uh, bullet. Yeah, he. Uh, we were ambushed. He got shot. Uh, who is this? Ah, this. This is Caduceus HQ. Okay, well, this could... is Quentin Shapiro. All I gotta say to you is that uh, Arturo is in the midst of explaining to us what our involvement in this whole thing is. The the far, far, five of us, the four of us, the five of us. Jeez, I wish I'd learned how to count. Um. And uh, took a bullet to the head. We were ambushed. There's something strange going on here. We know a little bit because we uh, we read through his uh, his uh, letters that he had in his pocket. Um, but we are out here in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I suppose I should say, how do you want us to proceed? We are fully willing to continue with whatever mission it is that you seem to have foisted upon us. Oh, boy. Right. I'm probably going to have to give you then what Arturo was supposed to give you as your briefing on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's normally uh, it's the choice of uh, Mr. Needham at the top of the, uh, the top of the token pole. So he likes to give our new recruits a baptism of fire. He likes to get them um, their information and their experience first hand out in the field. Well, you should tell him that if he had given us some warning before this, we might have been able to save Arturo's life and been a little more careful. Oh, this is a fairly, fairly risky business um, that we're dealing. As you've probably guessed from anything you've read from Arturo's briefing notes, but you will have guessed Pedicius, as well as providing aid, also helps to combat threats to humanity that are not necessarily the kind of threats that hold guns and walk on two legs, that there are other things out there that are a threat to the rest of the world, and we are the ones to stand against it. Go on. Well, to give you a bit of briefing as to what minimum information we have, um, on March 4th, an artillery shell hit the site of interest near to the aid camp where you now find yourselves. Some kind of ancient guardian was released and may still be at large, according to the intelligence we have. We don't know what it is, but we consider it to be dangerous, and you really want to be careful out there. Is it a big dog? 
No, we, we don't know what it is. We just know that something has been released according to the intel we've got. It might be a dog, it might be something else. We, we honestly don't know. That's partly what we want you guys to find out. But we're interested in what this Guardian is, the Guardian is protecting. Now, we believe you'll find a temple in the local area. Inside that temple, you'll find a mummy. Your mission is to bring that mummy back to us and make sure she's alive when she gets back. What do you mean, alive? I mean alive. The mummy's alive. You're telling me the mummy is alive. Yes, 100% alive. She cannot be harmed. All right, I'll relay this information, but... It sounds a little wacko, if you ask me. You also said that you want us to collect any kind of treasure or artifacts that we find? If there's anything to bring, um, we're not sure if the, um, if the Dreamer had any. But if there is anything, then by all means, bring it back. All right. And do you think that she is in danger from this Guardian, or the Guardian is to keep us away from her? The latter. Okay. But we need her. So bring her back alive and in one piece. To New York. Indeed. To Caduceus headquarters. Indeed. And what about our supposed mission to bring aid and hum humanitarian aid to these people? Is that all just a bullshit story? No, the others that you brought here will be facilitating that. The two doctors and the two nurses, I understand, that went with your, uh, went with your team. And who knows about this? Nobody but now just me? I'm hoping that you'll disseminate it to the rest of your team. I will, but uh, like the doctor, Dr. Gomez, they, they don't really know what's going on. No, they're, they're only first-tier first um, operatives. All right, sounds like fun. Um, That's an I interesting will... choice of words. I will tell uh, tell the rest of the team if we're not all dead in the morning, and uh, we will. Uh, I'll get back to you. Do we want to establish a time of contact between us? Yes. Uh, according to where sunup sundown should occur here, where you are, um, we'll say nine o'clock a.m. local time for you. And then, again, 9 p.m. local time, so check in every 12 hours. All right, that sounds reasonable. And if we don't check in, we're either fighting off a guardian, as you said, or we are uh, dead. Hopefully not the latter. Yeah. All right. Uh, Roger, over and out. Okay, yep. Shapiro, over and out. Jesus Christ. Um, on <laughs> on that note, we will leave it there for tonight. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> I wanted to go tell everyone. <laughs> All right. Our players included John Byram, Morgan Llewellyn, Jason Melnichok, Zane Fleming, and myself with Matthew Sanderson as the keeper of our sea of the secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons, 
Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering the questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.